Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Enjoying the podcast? Let us know. Send a recording or written testimonial to podcast at cbeinternational.org of why Mutuality Matters matters to you, and we may feature you on an upcoming episode. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of Intersectionality. I am your host, Reverend Dr. Angela Raven Anderson. In this segment, we explore how our understanding of God and who God is calling us to be is informed at the intersection of race, gender, and religion. We examine how the combination of liberation, womanist, and egalitarian theology presents an understanding of God's kingdom that embraces, restores, uplifts, and transforms all who would enter therein. When we consider and learn from the wisdom gained in the lived experiences of women of color, our view of God's kingdom is stretched, contextualized, enriched, and expanded. Let's listen in to their voices as they move us beyond the stained glass ceiling. Today, we will be exploring the collision point of social justice, dismantling, disrupting, and reconciling. And our guest on our show today is none other than Dr. Gabby Kudrow-Wilkes, a pastor, leader, innovative strategist, and author. She is a strategist by training and is the founding co-lead pastor of the Double Love Experience Church in Brooklyn, New York. Her work has been featured in Essence, Forbes, the New York Times, and she is the co-author of Psalms for Black Lives, Reflection for the Work of Liberation. We are going to spend some time talking about that today. Prior to her pastoral ministry, Dr. Gabby was a publicist and event planner where she worked with organizations and individuals such as BET, E1 Records, Matthew Knowles Music World Entertainment, and RCA Records, and, and many others. Dr. Gabby holds a doctorate from Duke University, a Master's of Divinity from Yale University, and a Master's of Arts from NYU, and a Bachelor's from Hampton University. She is a proud member of the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated and is committed to the work of love and justice. She resides in Brooklyn, New York with her husband, Reverend Andrew Wilkes. Dr. Gabby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here with you, Reverend Angela. I am absolutely glad and uh, I say glad, I should say ecstatic, if you couldn't tell, for you to join me today. I just want to say I have been enjoying your book. I can't wait for us to jump into it, Psalms for Black Lives. I've been actually using it as part of my personal devotional uh, this this season. So I'm so grateful for this work and excited to share this with our listeners. But before we go there, I really just wanted to give you a little bit of chance. I know we heard some things there 
in your bio, but can you just tell us a little bit about who you are? Yes. Yes. I love that question. Um, <laughs> I love answering the who you are question um, devoid from what we do, because I think right. that we, we are who we are regardless. And so I am someone who loves community. I am someone who loves yeah. music. I'm someone who loves her family. Um, uh, I'm a black woman from the South living in New York for over 15 years. Um, and uh, I am excited to be here. Oh, that is awesome. I love that. Well, so, um, and, and let me also ask, because in our bio, we mentioned that you, you're initially in your vocational life, you were working as a publicist and event planner. So kind of help, help us, how did you navigate into pastoral ministry? Funny enough, I, um, I have a saying that I use when people ask me about how I got into ministry, and I say that I was interrupted by an invitation. Hey. And what by that is um, I was a layperson who had moved to New York to do my master's at NYU. And I was, um, you know, I believed in the power of the gospel. I believed in ministry. Uh, my mother is actually um, a retired ordained minister um, and professor. Uh, so I grew up in the church. Uh, and so while I was at NYU, I knew that I wanted to find some sort of church home in New York. I wasn't sure I was going to be in New York the whole time or just the two years of my degree, but I knew I wanted a church home while I was here. And funny thing is I found a church um, that had a young adult Bible study on Friday nights, which would have been a deterrent for most young adults, but <laughs> I worked in the music industry. And so every night of the week, I was at a show. And for whatever reason, there just were not that many shows happening on Fridays. They were on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, not on interesting. Friday. Interesting. Wow. So interesting. And so um, I started going to that church on Friday nights, um, got a little bit involved, uh, then got a lot involved. Uh, mm -hmm. Then they discovered what my gifts were and I started doing events for the church and the whole mm -hmm. nine. And so, uh, but I was still content, you know, doing my work. Um, I was a gospel music publicist. So there were a lot of times where my work as a gospel music publicist would overlap with varying churches and I knew church mm -hmm. culture. So I could always translate better than the other folks at my firm. So I, I moved up quickly at my firm because it was okay. a a firm that represented not just gospel acts, but um, different genres of music. Um, but I happened to have that built-in understanding of the gospel music world, so it all worked out. Um, and so about God five, will use it all. <laughs> yeah, gotta use it all. You gotta use it all. So about five years into uh, being a very active member um, and lay leader at my church, um, an opportunity opened up uh, for a ministerial position. Uh, by this point, I was married. My husband was already in uh, congregational ministry, um, and I had been serving, but not in a ministerial capacity. And um, my pastors at the time, you know, really recognized the call on my life and invited me to become a co-minister uh, with my husband to the young adults um, on paid staff. And uh, it was really just the kind of invitation that changed the trajectory of my life. And so I was bivocational for quite some time until I went to divinity school. So I remained doing publicity and ministry for about four years. And then when I went to divinity school, I just, I, I needed the bandwidth to release PR so I could fully uh, train for ministry. And so um, I, I dropped officially uh, PR uh, when I went to divinity school, but uh, it was, it was all God. And it was certainly wow. 
um, directly through an invitation. Right. That is that is amazing. But he will order our steps. So that's yeah. that's always the blessing when you look back and think, wow, that's amazing how he puts that together for us, yes. puts our yeah. path together. Well, yeah. um, I mentioned in the bio that you have written this book and I really want us to kind of get into the book. It, it is called Psalms for Black Lives, Reflection for the Work of Liberation. Um, and this is a book that you co-authored with your husband. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about what was the impetus for writing this book? Yeah, we um honestly were, were trying to put together some literature um, for our congregants at the height of the pandemic. We passed over in New York, which was the epicenter of the pandemic mm-hmm. um, in March of 2020. And so we were just looking to really store um, our people well. Um, trying to give language for lament and give language for um, when life is hard to to square. And so we started walking our folks through devotionals that we wrote because we couldn't find resources that accomplished what we wanted to accomplish. Um, And so after we had done a series of these and realized um, how well they were received by our church, um, we started kicking around the idea of creating a devotional um, Mm -hmm. that be um, published and accessed. Uh, and so we continued writing and ended up finding a publisher who wanted to work with us. And the rest is history. Well, I, I thought this was so interesting because uh, I remember leading a, uh, during that pandemic, that that 2020 year, that summer, leading a discussion as well using the Psalms. And so um, I thought that was so interesting that you chose this because you know, the Psalms really do speak to every season of our life, right? And and um, can help us in dealing with so many issues. But was it about the Psalms for you that stood out as um, as a good jump, jumping off place or, or a place, excuse me, not jumping off place, but a place to ground everyone through such a, a uncertain time? Yeah, the Psalms are familiar. Mm. And I think that when you are going through a time in a period of crisis, um, reaching back into something that is familiar, that you know, that you have associate memory with and protect, protection with um, is critical. Um, and so for us, uh, we pastor folks who grew up in church and we pastor folks who did not grow up in church, but who have discovered church newly as adults. And so the Psalms, um, I think, are expansive enough to speak to that person who's been in the church all their life and has relied upon scripture all their life and to speak to that person who only opens the Bible when they're in trouble. Um, And, you know, everybody in between. Um, And the Psalms give us such rich language. The Psalms are poetry. The Psalms are songs. It's the song book, right, of Israel. And so um, there are ways in which the Psalms express um, the the varying highs and lows of life right. in a, an apologetic way that we really needed um, in a time of great turmoil and a time of great um, frustration and uncertainty. So yes. the song is somewhere I personally go um, with regularity, and and we we thought it important um, to to bring some new some new interpretation to some familiar passages of scripture. 
And, you know, I was going to, I was, I wanted to kind of ask you that question because, you know, the, the way the book is structured, there's a Psalm that's given and there's a reflection and a devotional. And then there are these questions of the day and especially the, the, the devotional section and the question section kind of really begin to steer us more toward understanding um, um, justice yeah. and um, God's desire for justice in, in the world. And I was just kind of wondering as you, as you all co-wrote this, uh, did you sometimes have differing opinions, even male to female, what you were understanding um, about the justice that you could see, you know, in, um, in, in that, in the passage that you were, you would be sharing or reflecting on. I don't think our differences um, were gendered. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't think I had any experiences with the Psalms that were unique because of my identity as a as a woman uh, versus my husband's identity as a man. I don't think it was so much gender, but I do think that experience um, plays a hand in how any of us engage the text. I remember when I was in divinity school, one of the first. Uh, sentences my New Testament professor gave it says there's no way that you can read without interpreting right we read every time whether it's the Bible or whether it's your favorite novel you can't read something without having certain experiences flood to the front of your head or um, absolutely or you know right or or experiences of joy you can't listen to music without your mind going three or four other different places right and so that's the beauty I think of um, books that are co-authored, songs that are co-written, anything that has more than one dominant uh, uh, architect um, has the ability to capture a perspective that is varied, right? And so I do believe that we were able to bring a varied lens and a varied perspective um, Mm -hmm. to our approach to scripture and kind of what we take um, from Mm -hmm. the song. And that's that's been really beautiful because um, you know, different things speak to different people. Um, right. and it's been, it's been kind of fun. We have some, some friends who try to, they try to pinpoint, well, which one of y'all wrote this? Like, this sound like Andrew would do. This sound like something Pastor Andrew would do, you know, and we just long <laughs> and, you know, let people try to try to interpret and figure it out. You know, some folks really enjoy the, the slang that we use and mm-hmm. some stuff very plain and some other stuff that gets a little bit more complex. Um, and people who know us, you know, know how we talk and, right. and, and know what like him, what sounds like me. We had fun mixing it up. You know, we had fun <laughs> just bringing a collective and, and ultimately cohesive voice, but one that showed the, the, the differences and the nuances of how we approach the text and how we approach life. That's good. I love that. So let me let me ask you this, because what becomes very evident as you're reading through the book and as you're reading through each psalm is that there is this this issue of justice, but there's also this issue of hope and 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 love. So how do you see the relationship of all of those things? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I would say the relationship for us is this term that um, we coined and presented in the book called justice imagination. Mm -hmm. So this um, this idea of justice imagination is one um, that was really important to us as we were writing, um, because I think the relationship between justice and hope is our ability to imagine something better. um, Right. Right. And and 
being able to imagine and dream is no small feat when you're not being given a lot of um, a lot of examples that what you want to see happen is happening. Right. Yes. Yes. About all of the injustices that folks of color are enduring continually still in 2023, sometimes hope can be very hard to obtain, especially when you have committed your life towards justice. Right. right. And so this justice imagination is this bridge that we present all throughout the book. And a part of why we believe in the power of the devotional is that we believe that if we can, can cultivate hope within our soul, rooted in scripture, rooted in reflection prompts, rooted in questions, then our prayer is that it can regenerate um, new imagination um, that can fuel us into the hope that we need to pursue the justice we deserve, um, even when we're faced uh, with unsurmountable odds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I, I, it, at, at my own church, I lead our social justice ministry. And sometimes that work can be um, when you don't see the gains, when you continue to see um, your efforts thwarted, right? You do, you have to come back and recenter yourself in the promises that we see in the scriptures. We have to center ourselves in, um, in, 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 in the knowing that our God, you know, that we always talk about in the end, we're going to win. But even in, on some level, even as we're gaining, we're making gains and acknowledging those gains and, uh, and allowing that to continue to fuel, you know, we're not there, but we're not where we were, you know, right. we, we we are we are making strides forward. Well, let me ask you this, particularly. Uh, oh, wait. Um, in in the introduction, yeah, you mention uh, you describe four actions that I thought were very interesting that were related to this whole idea again about around the work of liberation and justice. Yes. Um, and our, that that you kind of lifted from the Psalms. And I thought it was so interesting. Again, just another perspective in looking at these Psalms. But I, would you, do you mind please kind of sharing those uh, with our listeners? I, I thought they were yeah. very insightful. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for those who may have the book, uh, this is on page 15 in the introduction of our book. Um, and I'll just read this quick paragraph, which references what you're, what you're uh, referring to, Angela. As you build your justice imagination, we will highlight the ways that the Psalms speak to four different actions we undertake in the work of liberation. We celebrate together, we lament together, we envision together, and we are emboldened together. So the yeah. four actions are celebration, lament, envisioning, and emboldening. And the reason why we believe those four are so critical is um, in the work of justice, you can't just go from one issue to another without any celebration. Um, you'll get burned out. Uh, you won't be able to properly honor the labor that went into the win. Um, right, right. satisfied where you're never able to honor and mark um, the victories, right, that, that God has brought um, your way. So celebration is key. I, I, I believe yeah. that we must, we owe it to God, right, as an act of gratitude. Yes. Um, celebrate the good things. Yes. Even thing is not good. The things that are, are worthy of our celebration, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, and, and it provides fuel, right. For you to keep moving forward. It provides fuel. It also helps you to realize that your work is not in vain. It gives you a bit of a, a of a tally of, of kind of, okay, we've, we've, we've made it this far, you know, we're going to, and it gives you that fuel to, to go further. Um, and so, so celebration is, is, is critical. Um, uh, lamenting is critical. Um, to lament is to say stuff is actually not okay. Right. Um, and I think that as Christians, you know, we need to give ourselves permission to name that. It does yeah. not mean we don't believe that God can make it okay later. Uh, but it doesn't important. mean that we don't have faith either. Doesn't mean that we don't have faith. Absolutely. What it means is that, you know, we're aware enough to recognize that, like, this is not what God intended. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we're lamenting that, you know, so that's critical. Um, and then the envisioning is, you know, there's this whole movement to deconstruct, but if you don't reconstruct anything, you're still doing mm-hmm. people a disservice, right? Oh, yes. Envisioning yes. is so important. Okay. You can name all the stuff that's wrong, but what do you see that's right? Yeah. What do yeah. you want to create? What do you want? As an alternative, what do you want in place of this? There are some folks that spend all their time tearing stuff down and the powers that be say, okay, we heard you. What do you want? And they can't answer. Now what? Right. Exactly. And that is, that is so true. So. I'm envisioning anything. They've only spent time tearing down the stuff they don't like. So it's got to be a part of our canon and our lexicon to be able to envision. And then embolden um, is important to us because, um, as bold as we are, we can always be more bold. We can always be more courageous. Uh, we can always be more willing uh, to, to, to stand up for, for what we believe um, is possible. And so the emboldening is the kind of pushing of ourselves um, to mm-hmm. not get comfortable, uh, but mm-hmm. to all uh, push the envelope and, and, and to push hard for what God has, has shown us in that envisioning state of things. So celebrate, lament, Envision and Bolden. CBE International presents Women in Scripture and Mission. Amanda Berry Smith was born into slavery. God called her to preach during the revivals of the mid-1800s. Talking about God's transformative power, she said, You may not know it, but I am a princess in disguise. I am a child of the King. Despite lifelong prejudice, she established an orphanage for black children in Chicago and became a prominent evangelist around the world. Learn more at radiowomen.org. I find that it's so interesting that you, I mean, you're able to lift that out of the passages that we're seeing in Psalms. So, you know, like maybe what were some of your favorite ones as you were kind of thinking through? Yeah, Um, certainly day one, uh, we title it Defiant Confidence. Um, Mm. That's seven. Um, I think it is so important. As a matter of fact, our first, our day one and our day 30 um, both deal with confidence. Um, I think it is so important for us to reclaim our confidence. I think a lot of um, the ways in which we've interpreted things theologically have done us a disservice because they've caused us to kind of cower in a corner and to feel like there's nothing that we can be confident in, but we can be confident um, in the Lord, right? And so- Come on now. Uh, yet I will be confident, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, that's that's critical. Um, I think that there is um, a lot of psalms uh, that really um, deal with uh, this duality of rejoicing 
um, and this the duality of rejoicing and lamenting, right? I think mm-hmm. that I think that there's a um, a give and take sometimes um, that you know we can we can interrogate the things that aren't quite what they should be, and we can rejoice in the things that are, right? Mm-hmm. And often in the Psalms, the psalmist is taking themselves their own selves on a journey yeah. of like what's not working, but what is, right? Yeah. And I I love that um, duality and I'll just, I'll pull out the book now just to, in particular, um, day five, Psalm 103, we have a, a, a we call it Don't Forget. Um, it's mm-hmm. important remembrance um, what's going on. Day 13, Psalm 22, when God feels far away, um, you know, remembering uh, that God really does promise never to leave us or forsake us. Psalm 3, Psalm 91, safe. I love those types of psalms that give us the imagery of uh, uh, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, right? This, this idea of this safe place that we have, yes. you know. Uh, um, and then day 26, Psalm 84, you deserve to be happy is what we named it. Um, really giving people the, the the freedom to remember that, like, your happiness and your joy is is also important to God. Um, yes, that, you know, yes. not meant to just be robots. Um right. There, there are many favorites, but those are some of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and and it's so interesting because, you know, hope is really a form of resistance. Yep. It, it, it is really a form of resistance that, you know, no matter what. And and that's what I think, you know, like you said, I love about Psalms. You, It, it will start off with this kind of what the reality is that we're facing. And however dismal that will be, but when you get to the end, but it's kind of like, but the end of the matter is, you know, at the end of the day, this is what the true and the greater reality is. And and this is my level of defiance that I'm going to um, show in this moment is that I'm not going to let all these other things push me down, keep me down, um, but I will put my trust wholeheartedly, you know, I say both feet in your chest. This is where I'm standing right here on um, the fact that of who God is and, and, and um, his desire, his desire for my life and his desire for the world, right. For, for what, how we are meant to experience life in this world. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to also ask you, uh, what, what, are you, what are your thoughts, though, for us as the church, as, as we continue to contend with this issue of racism and kind of looking at the church in the United States and um, how we still seem to be very, very fractured over the issues of race? Where, where do you think that God... Um, I don't, well, hold on, let me kind of rephrase that a little bit. Um, when, we're, when we're looking at the Psalms, how do you think the Psalms can help us begin to kind of heal and, and understand um, our path forward? Is, is, is this question detailed from the race question? And no, it, it's, it's together with that. Okay. So as as we're as we're understanding race, right, and and it and it's causing su- uh, continues in, in the church today to cause such a, a fracture for us, right? There's the, we 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 know that there's the issue of this kind of um, um, 
how how the how the gospel has been kind of co-opted by nationalism and uh what is it, what that has looked like uh we've kind of seen that in the past couple of years very uh very overtly so as we're thinking about um at, as a church you know as as a church as a whole how, how do we can we use the psalms as a way for finding healing Mm. Um, I, I know you say this This is Psalms for Black lives, but as we begin to look at all of our lives, how, how do we begin to look into this and find our place to walk together? Yeah. Um, well, as, as we talk about race, you know, America's greatest sin is its obsession with white supremacy, right? Um, it's not necessarily about white people. It's about white supremacists. Um, people who believe that, you know, the white identity is supreme, that it should always be on top, that it should always have first dibs at everything. And when we look at um, the ways in which our society falls apart, it's often because people are at, they're fighting for who should be on top, right? Mm -hmm. As it relates to, you know, the kind of um, why for Black Lives um, in the title. Uh, It's very much because Black lives have always had to uh, explain and account for uh, where they are in the text because of a white supremacist culture um, that tried to interpret the text for them um, Mm. and to name people as three-fifths of a human and to name Black folks as uh, slaves who should be good to their masters and right. to name black folks as folks who should be happy with Jim Crow South and should be happy with the crumbs that are given us. And time and time again, um, black people have read the Bible for ourselves and said, that's actually not what it says, right? Luke right. 4 18, when right. Jesus he gives his mission statement in text. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring news to the poor. To Good news, that's right. Free to announce the year of the Lord's favor, to bring sight to the blind, right? So, so once Black people got a hold of the Bible for themselves, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff in the text that white supremacists, not necessarily white people, but white supremacists um, did not want black folks to see, right? Mm -hmm. And and we have to remember, we live in a nation where the KKK put on white uh, hoods at night and then on Sunday morning, we're teaching Sunday school, right? Bull Connor, very active in his church. So so we we have a a history and a legacy of Mm -hmm. having to tether white supremacy um, from the Christian faith, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, what I believe the Psalms help us do is they help us to give language for the fact that we are dealing with, and I'm talking about Black people right now, that we Mm -hmm. are dealing with a hand that's been dealt us um, that was always uh, uh, stacked to see us lose. Mm -hmm. Um, As we play the hand that God actually dealt us, which was to see us win. Psalm 8 tells us that we were made just a little lower than the angels and we are crowned with glory and honor, right? Like when, who is man that you are mindful of them, the son of man that you would repent. Like when we actually get into the text 
and rediscover who we are, then the act of justice is not about begging white supremacists to see us for who we are, but it is about advancing what God said in the first place mm-hmm. and rectifying mm-hmm all the places where really selfish colonizers got it wrong uh, because they want themselves at the top of the totem pole. And so the Psalms keep it a hundred. They keep it a buck, (laughs) right? They keep it realistic. Lord, why are the wicked still prospering? Right, right, right. They call a thing a thing. Um, And so I think that uh, if we're going to get to a place, even in, you know, this current age, where we can uh, get to where God is calling us to, which is this kind of abundant life that's talked about in the New Testament. Um, We need places and safe spaces um, in the Bible where we can look at um, how people whose backs were against the wall handled um, their conditions and brought Mm -hmm. that to God in prayer and and look at that language. And like you said earlier, uh, and still we're able to end with a resounding hope, right? A resounding trust in God, a resounding reliance on God, a a resounding trust that everything is going to be all right after a while. Um, And so I think it's critical for us to have conversations um, that name our unique history in America. Uh, Blacks have a very unique history in America. And so when you're a Black Christian, you lived through some stuff and still held on to your faith. Um, That's same. That that's so good. And oh my goodness. So we we are just about out of our time. This has been such a great conversation. And I do want to have you back. I want to talk to you a little bit more. We didn't even get a chance to really kind of explore um your church and the story of um of uh of, of that and how it came to be, which I think is a wonderful um story of of God's grace and how he's moved in in incredible ways. Um but uh to close, and this is something I usually kind of ask a lot of my guests is when you consider where we are right now and, and what's going on, uh, on and, and you consider yourself as a black woman who is a Christian, um, how does that inform, um, how, how does that inform who you understand God to be? And and then and and then also how how does that inform who you understand God is calling you to be in the world today? How does my identity as a black woman help me understand who God is? Yeah, as a black woman in America, yes, ma'am. <laughs> um. Well, hmm. How do I how do I answer that? I I, I see God as a benevolent parent um, who has uh, created a world that we can inhabit um, freely. Um, and so, you know, as a black woman, I I don't know that that, I don't know how that frames how I see God, to be honest with you. That's, that's an interesting question that I may not have enough time to unpack here. Um, but I do see God as loving. I see God as merciful. Um, I see God as the master architect of our lives. Um, I see God as faithful. I see God as kind. Um, and um, yeah, that's that's how I see God. And and then the tag onto that, and then who is God calling us to be right now in this space and time? I believe that God is calling us to be on the wall 
um, for the kind of world that should exist, that we should inhabit. Um, okay, so explain what you mean by that, being on the wall. Well, just think about a, a, a metaphor of just standing guard, mm-hmm. right? We're not, you know, not allowing folks uh, to to take what's not theirs. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. So if the world belongs to God, if the earth belongs to God, um, then all of God's people should have what we need. And so anyone that is threatening that um, is on the other side of what God desires. So God's people um, should always be fighting for what God's fighting for. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love that. On the wall, I remember that one. We should be those who are standing on the wall. All right, well, Pastor Gabby, thank you so much for being with us today. And again, I hope that you can come back and share a little bit more. We just really scratched the surface today um, uh, with Pastor Gabby. And so I, I, I would love to dig in a little bit deeper with you and talk about a few other things. But uh, again, thank you for being with us. And to all of you who joined today, thank you. Uh, Stay tuned for brand new episodes, which will be coming your way weekly from our entire uh, team of co-hosts. In the meantime, be sure to go to the show notes and learn how you can follow and support all of the cast members uh, of our podcast family. And you can see how to reach out and connect with Pastor Gabby uh, Kujo Wilkes at any time if you would like to do that as well. Also, be sure to follow CBE International on Facebook and Twitter. You should also go to our website at www.cbeinternational.org for even more content. Subscribe to our blog, magazine, and academic journal. Watch videos and listen to audio of past conferences and events. You should go visit our bookstore where you can find a lot of talented authors just like Dr. Wilkes and subjects that will enrich your faith and equip you uh, to be used um, by God and and to use your God-given talents in leadership and service to the gospel for all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, or class. Well, I am Reverend Dr. Angela Raven Anderson, and I want to give a shout out to Landon, our support staff, and uh, all of those at CBE who make this podcast possible. We are Mutuality Matters. Thank you for listening. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.